0: Hi everyone, this is Angela Yeh, and welcome once again to the Designing Futures Podcast. I hope you all had an amazing Halloween. My family and I had fun, um, you know, celebrating Halloween with my son, and just it's so much fun to see Halloween through the eyes of a child. So we've had some amazing speakers from the last six episodes, great design leaders, luminaries, talking about how they strive and thrive in their careers and particularly how they navigate the business side of design. This week, we're changing it up a little. You know, as a designer, have you ever thought about your mindset and how that might affect you, your craft, your career? Actually, self-awareness is something I'm extremely passionate about. And in fact, when I started coaching about 15 years ago, it was fascinating to me how one professional, you know, you could have three incredibly talented um, creative professionals. You tell them all how far they could go, and one individual would just immediately unlock that opportunity and move towards it. Another one might stumble a little. And the third one, no matter how much evidence you give them and how much acknowledgement and how many tools you give, they cannot move themselves through to finding and reaching that opportunity when it's right there in front of them. So mindset is, in the last, I think, 15 years of my coaching, it's been fascinating to me how self-awareness contributes to a designer's ability to see their own abilities, to recognize and acknowledge, to understand where their best opportunities are and how to move towards them. And, And attain them, you know, win those jobs or those clients and those projects that they really, you know, thrive on. Often designers who feel stuck or unaware of some aspect of their mindset, that, that there's some perception that is pers- preventing them from moving forward. So having awareness of your mindset is so important, and it's something that we actually teach in our Thrive by Design Masterclass program. A designer can acquire all the skills in the world. They can be the most creative, the most talented, most hardworking, diligent, and the most even well-known. But despite all the talent a designer can acquire and build, skills, it doesn't matter. We forget the importance of a designer's ability to be self-aware of their mindset. So this week... We have one of my dearest friends who joined us for the last segment of Design Summit 2021, Ude Dan Devante, who will speak to us about our mindset for designing life. I hope you enjoy this episode. You know, in the work that I've been doing, with people professionally, I guess, around career coaching, I've done so much work about why do some people um, evolve faster than others? Why can some see and are motivated to move? Um, and I found, you know, mindset work is, uh, or, or the quality and, and the nuance of your mindset really affects who you are as a professional, as a person. And I love that Uday has pivoted while he's also still running his own corporate uh, consultancy and written two wonderful, delicious books on mindset. Um, let me read you Uday's um, bio, uh, and again Uday, thank you for being patient. Um, Uday is a design activist and ethnographer of social imagination Uday is also CEO of Sonic Rim, a San Francisco-based design research company specializing in co-creation. He has traveled extensively around the world, studying and connecting with all kinds of people and cultures and watching and participating as they change over time in his professional capacity, as well as through blogging, teaching, speaking, and facilitating, Uday provokes fresh perspectives that help to humanize technologies and democratize design. During the pandemic, Uday published two books of poems, A Window for a uh, Home Without Walls, Life, Imagination, Design, and Finding Your Bebo. With that, I want to bring up Uday Uday, thank you for being our last and final speaker. And in fact, um, as you get ready to come up, I wanna read, so I wanna read one of his poems that this is finding your b This is actually teaching mindset for children, though I think it's actually relevant for us as well. So this one is a kind of a great one to end the summit uh, on. It's called Look for More. When you look at something, you can only see what is right in front of you. There's always more than what your eyes can perceive. You must go go behind your eyes to see the other side. From where you sit, you can only see where your eyes can reach. To know more, you can ask others what they see from where they sit. When you're able to look from all sides, and know what others see, you will learn more than what you can perceive from where you sit. I love that as an ending poem um, to round out the summit because so much of what we've learned is design, is coll- it's co-creation, it's collaborative.
1: Can Thank you, me? Angela. Okay, so I want to start with something interesting. Um, you've been Listening to a number of lectures, and you've been watching the computer screen for a while. So, for until I tell you, can you please shut your eyes? Everyone, yeah, all of you.
0: Okay, everyone, yeah. shut I your eyes. I don't eye.
1: need to look at your screen, just listen. <laughs> I'm not seeing to anybody,
0: my... but everybody should shut their eyes.
1: Yeah, um, uh, model. <laughs> so, picture yourself from the past when the most important thing in life was play. Bring that image in front of you in your head. Picture who you played with. Picture something you did out of curiosity that still lingers in your memory. Picture a brief moment that brought you joy. Recollect a moment when you felt love. Recollect a moment when you felt loved. Recollect a moment when you felt cared for. Recollect a smell that still lingers in your memory from somewhere from your distant past. Recollect a sound that's tied to a lingering memory. And now bring all those feelings together to imagine a life we could live today. You can open your eyes. Why does life have to feel like work? Why do we have to feel like a cog in the wheel or even worse, slaves to the system we have no control over? Why should fear drive our choices and actions? Why should craving for more limit our ability to feel satisfied? Why should conformity limit our freedom to imagination and creativity? We deserve a life full of curiosity, compassion and creativity. We deserve to live a life full of wonder and purpose. We can design a life that Ivan Illich in his book, Tools for Convivialities called a society of responsibly limited tools, where each individual's competence, control, and initiative drives life of a creative community. I call it a life of wonder. I'm going to read a poem I wrote a couple of months ago. Imagine an earthen pot with a wide opening and an infinite capacity. It has a purpose to contain anything that will fit its capacity to accommodate. It lends its contents a touch of fragrance it inherited from Mother Earth. It has many functions. It will preserve its contents, keep it at comfortable temperature as long as it lives, the earthen pot. You can cook in it or even turn it into a filter. When you stir the pot, it produces blended outcomes. When you put it on fire, it leads to magical transformations of its hybrid contents. An earthen pot has unique instincts, qualities and resilience. Above all, when it's served its purpose, it blends into mother earth. An earthen pot with a wide opening and an infinite capacity is the life of a curious and open mind. So that's how I wanted to begin my conversation.
0: So beautiful. I hope that we are all earthen pots (laughs) and delightful for what we're putting in it. Um, Uday, how did you come about? First, let's talk about your other book, and I have them both here. How did you come about writing, you know, and I think you started this book, yeah before the pandemic and, and just around that time you published it
1: so uh, 6 months before the pandemic i was once at grizzly peak in san francisco area like more so oakland area and i was standing there looking at san francisco and a s- feather came floating by and i tried to catch it and it flew away it just brushed by my cheek and br- vanished into the valley. Mm. Um, I came back home. That night, I woke up at two at night with the realization that feather was a metaphor for who I was. At that moment, I wrote a poem. It's in that book called An Untucked Feather.
0: Love that poem.
1: From that day onwards, for the next nine months, actually, uh, I woke up at two or one night, night and wrote a poem. Just bring, bringing together my subconscious and my curiosity into a metaphor for something I had been wondering about, thinking about, restless about. And I pinned it on my iPhone and next morning woke up and cleaned it up a little bit. And then uh, the pandemic came. I will continue to write. Then one day my wife said, you need to see what's going on with you. This is something unique. Put it all together and reflect and that's how I created the book and one of my friends was a professor at Arizona State he said he wanted to design it he designed it and then it came together as something which I called as my curiosity and my epiphanies for life imagination and design so that's how I, that came about
0: I what I love about your <laughs> I love how you were inspired to write this um what I also love is I think all of us are in this industry. We, we talk about design, we talk about design thinking and what you've done is this is a creative artistic representation of what we do. It's very inspiring how you, everyone you've got to buy his book um, how he talks about designing journeys and perspectives and creativity and being a designer I mean, there are phases to the design process and there are, you know, your journey mapping, you, it's the poetry of this is absolutely beautiful. It takes what we do as a profession and you've created a song about it, you know,
1: I love In fact, You called it a song. What is interesting is two different people. One was a student of music composition at Carnegie Mellon University. He read this book. And he wanted to convert it into an a cappella concert. Uh, he is actually Steve Kaneko's son. Uh, if you remember Steve Kaneko from. Oh my gosh, Academy.
0: of course, yes.
1: And Steve wrote to me saying, do, you, do I have your permission to let my son compose a concert? I said, Absolutely. So he took the poem, The Universe, and turned it into an a cappella number. I was so inspired, I turned it into a, a music video, which is sitting on YouTube now. Uh, You're going to have to post it so that
0: we can share it. Sorry? You're going to have to post it later or send it to us so we can share it. Two
1: months later, I got a message from uh, a music therapist in Hawaii saying, "I, I read your book and I'm inspired to sing it. So she took four lines from my poem, The Pandemic, and she sang it and sent it to me. I liked it so much. I turned it into a video. She liked it so much. She hired professional musicians. And recorded it, and then we went oh it into a music video. A and then I love I love how they're playing. Yeah, yeah you're collaborating. You're riffing.
0: You're, yeah, you're iterating yes. and collaborate with with others. Whoever yes. just whoever resonated with it, and it yes. just
1: grew. Yep. And that's how my second book came about. One uh, girl who is a create creativity facilitator for children in Oakland. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is married to a friend of mine who is a bartender in San Francisco. She once wrote to me saying, I just read your book. I'm I'm inspired to write a book, similar book for children. She wrote to me at 11 at night, sent me a text. Uh, (laughs) That night at at one o'clock, I woke up and I wrote this entire book in two hours. And then my friend, Peter Chen, who's a professor of design at OSU, he called me and said, hey, I heard you wrote a book. I'm going to design it. I said, okay. But he said, my condition is you have to illustrate it yourself. So it took me nine months to illustrate this book and one night to write it. (laughs) I love it.
0: Well, it got you to go back to your core creative skills and rediscover them again.
1: Yes. But also it it took me to... Now, uh, T was talking about finding your purpose and being authentic. I think this allowed me, this whole experience during pandemic of writing these poems Mm. uh, allowed me to kind of understand that designers are not the sole keepers of the creative activity in the world. It's not a hundred year old uh, profession. It's as old as humans were uh, born on this earth. It has everything to do with our curiosity, compassion, and creativity. And my job is actually to encourage people to be more curious, more open-minded, more of explorers without fear, with courage, Mm -hmm. and creativity just comes out of it. And therefore, I feel that my job is to get closer to social imagination and inspire it. And there isn't a better... Medium than poetry to do that.
0: And what I love is about your finding, um, finding your vivo, your second book. I love because it's it's actually speaking to children. Because what a better time than to catch them right as their minds are f- so young and open to you know being able to see see others, see possibilities, be creative. You're right, though. Um, I love that you remind us that while we have. All of us here in this, you know, in the event, this audience, this community, designers, we've most of us have been very practiced in this expertise of being creative, right? But you're right, we are not, we don't have a monopoly on creativity, right? We are probably just shepherds and of helping other unlock that to others, right?
1: In fact, we are trapped in our beliefs. At at this moment, my practice, professional practice, is actually. Uh, emerging into helping my clients disengage from their beliefs, open their minds to the realities and imagination of the world. And in collaboration with that space where the real people live, discover new opportunities for affecting their customers' lives. So so right now, actually, just as, as, as we speak, I'm getting ready to go out for another Collaborative session where I bring my clients in collaboration with uh, a group of people who have are early users of a certain technology to co-imagine the future. And through the last three days of these activities, my clients are always already feeling unsettled in their beliefs, Mm. beginning to see why they need to tune into the imagination of real people who are. Taking them an entirely different journey,
0: which wow. is different
1: from what they were thinking about.
0: And if they had n- had not done that, they would have gone ahead probably and built something without listening to that end user and co collab- collaborating with them, right? Yes, absolutely. Wow, wow. You know, an earlier thing that you, you, a statement you just said about um, th- designers thinking that we're the only ones that own creativity. On the other hand, I have to say sometimes I see our industry we love that term designer, mm-hmm. and I remember meeting once someone who had moved up to um, a high level um, chief uh, it was, it was chief operating officer at a big company, and he said to me, "You know, I'm still a designer, mm-hmm. you know." Yeah, and I know. And In sometimes theory. we love this name designer that it sometimes can um, shield us from being able, or kind of keep us from seeing opportunities for ourselves, you know, in how we see the world and how we act in the world.
1: I remember my first day in the design school, undergraduate school at the National Institute of Design NID in India. The the teacher who was the coordinator of the foundation program on first day, first hour in the class said, hey guys, uh, the purpose of this year in foundation is for you to unlearn everything that you have learned in school and reclaim your childlike curiosity. And you begin your life with that. If you can hold on to that childlike curiosity, you will become a better designer. Everything else that you learn are just skills to build something. But if you you can learn to unlearn, be open and be curious, you will be greatest designers in life. Yes,
0: I love it. You guys heard it from Uday. Be ready to unlearn whatever you've learned to see new possibilities. Mm-hmm. I love that quote because it, it, there's a lot of that in what we do when we work with talent to help them see possibilities beyond what they previously knew or even working with employers. I mean, wh- or any of you, the work that you do, we're, I think we're always actually helping someone else unlearn their preconceived notions to see something that they're working on in a different way, right? That is yeah. what we did. But we kind of all need someone else to do it for us, right? Sometimes you need that outside perspective. Sometimes we need a story, a book to yeah. kind of um, trigger a different way of thinking or Absolutely. someone else, you know. Yeah, and I love see, it. What
1: happens is when we get so obsessed with our opinions and beliefs, we forget to smell the air. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of the seeds, and the pollens of the things that are going to blossom around you are in the air that we miss to breathe and miss miss to notice and by opening our minds that's what we can do
0: you're talking about embracing the journey
1: absolutely
0: I love it I love it Uday I love your book I hope you guys all buy it and um you can send poems to your clients <laughs> For
1: whatever phase you're moving them through. In fact, we Um, just finished a project where at the end of the project, before my team made a presentation, PowerPoint presentation with frameworks and personas and all the stuff that we normally do, I said, hold on, before you hear anything else, I'm going to write a poem in the voice of the person you are studying. And this person is appealing to you, her or his experience and challenging you to think for her or him and i read that poem there was a silence of like few seconds and everybody like clapped and then we did our stupid presentation (laughs) yeah
0: yeah you know there's kind of we're going to talk about this the more and you and there's some other people who are moving more in that mindset space and actually Farrell and i had talked about it um you know there's there's an interesting group of people who are in design um, that are kind of bridging into that mindset space. And we are human, even though we are design is an expertise within business, right? This is businesses in the in essence, we are human. We're built up of humans and customers and stakeholders. And this is all human in the end, right? So remembering the humanness of this, being exponentially human in our process. I love how that mm-hmm. Um, our um, our theme has come back in. So Uday, really love that you were able to round us out and end our design summit on such a beautiful poetic note. Um, mindset, you know, I love this industry. I love all of you guys in this. I love the passion that you all have in this space. And uh, I love how you guys inspire each other. Connect, I mean, yes, um, a lot of times we forget that, and a lot of times I hear from people that design can be so isolating, but it doesn't have to be. Reach out, build a connection, build a network, um, and you know, challenge yourself to find your BHAGs. So
1: yes. Francesca we, said, so are beautiful. We have, are we going to have questions?
0: Uh, yeah, does anybody have a and A question for Uday? Do, I think genre, a uh, good point, design and creating is an inherent drive of humans. And, and Michael Seeley, always love your perspective in poetry Uday. Um, well,
1: Michael has been a long time co-creator. So- Oh my nice God, to I love it. There, mm, Francesca,
0: so beautiful. Thank you Uday. How do you dip your toes into writing poetry? Yeah, like how do you, and I know how to go back into drawing and sketching, which I'm finding again, thank you for encouraging me. but. How do how does someone go into writing
1: poetry? OK, so I will tell you how. This is an amazing question. So the the professor who told me to embrace my childlike curiosity, I sent him the manuscript of my book. And I told him, in my entire life, I have never written a poem, except once when my daughter was four years old, and she told me never to attempt writing a poem, a poem again. And like oh. she said, it really sucks. And don't try it again. It's not your thing. (laughs) But here it comes, like over nine months, it just kept pouring out. So I said, what happened to me? I was never prepared for a poetry. So he told me uh, one Urdu poem, which essentially means that somewhere in in a forest was a little bud Hmm. in the darkness, uh, not in anybody's path. So therefore unnoticed and ignored Mm -hmm. but one day when the flower was ready to bloom a maven passed by and just as the flower bloomed the maven looked at the flower and there was a moment of appreciation that is the poem and he said this is what happened from the day you opened your eyes and your sensitivities to all the things that are noticeable and understandable and beautiful and curious in world, you kept Mm. absorbing it. Your bud was forming inside of you. Yes. And one one day when that bud was rich enough to bloom in your subconscious, your conscious mind was willing to recognize it and a beautiful thing happened. So my uh, response to your question is, Keep your mind open to all the beautiful things around you, all the harmonious things around you. Nature's creations that bring joy to you. Nourish your soul with those things that we ignore in pursuit of our goals and our ambitions. And miss them because we fear looking at them. And one day when it's ready to bloom, your it will bloom in your subconscious and your conscious mind will notice it. Beautiful.
0: Thank you for that advice and inspiring us to all reach for that. Regardless of whether, how how we're practicing design, let's find a different way to be creative. Almost, I'd say Uday, without a purpose, right? Without an objective or a financial or, you know, work project, explore something creative. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Well, that concludes our episode. I really hope you enjoyed this talk with Uday as much as I did. You know, think about how your mindset affects your ability to see your highest potential and and understand where your opportunities, your best opportunities might exist. So this concludes this segment of our podcast that consists of the recordings from our Design Summit 2021. But don't worry, there's actually much more content from the summit that's available on our YouTube channel. Four of our speakers had amazing presentations and they really don't translate well into a podcast. So we uploaded their video recordings on our channel. So you'll have to check them out there. We have presentations from my dear friend Sam Aquiano of Design Museum Everywhere, where he talks about how he evolves his organization together with understanding what his community needs. Um, A lot of strategic analysis, um, business planning there. We also have Wilma Lam from Substantial discussing how one breaks through the senior designer ceiling. And let me tell you, that is probably one of the most common ceilings in the design career, uh, design industry. Ariana Kolblitz from New York Life Insurance Company presented to us about the importance of adapting our design tools and practices to the needs of our clients. And as well we also have T. Chang giving us insights on how powerful design can be as well as how design can be a tool for activism. So go over to our YouTube channel for more knowledge and, and If you've enjoyed this episode, or if you're enjoying this entire podcast, please subscribe, follow, and rate, and share with your peers. Let's all grow and learn together. Plus, message and follow us on social media at Yay Ideology. We are more than happy to speak with you and hear your thoughts regarding our podcast. and Whatever topics you'd like to hear about, we'd love to know so that we can share it with you. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening.